Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, could be setting America up for the danger zone on multiple fronts. And remember the red heifers in Israel? What is coming of them? And are they ready for the Passover sacrifice coming in merely months? We're going to cover all this today on a jam-packed episode. Let's talk about it. The following program is brought to you by friends and partners of End Time Headlines. All right, what's going on, guys? This is End Time Headlines. I am your host, Ricky Scaparro, the founder, the pastor, and the voice of End Time Headlines. This is news and headlines from a prophetic perspective. And today, we have got a prophetic viewpoint that we want to... I am so excited to share this today because we've got a lot of information that we want to get out out to you guys. And before we do that, please do me a favor. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button, that bell notification because this is going to help you guys keep up to date and keep up to uh, everything that we do, that we put out on these platforms like YouTube and Rumble. And even better, if you want to take it a step further, and I want to encourage you to do that, download our free app. It's available on Apple and Android devices. This way that you can ensure yourself that you're going to get every headline, every podcast when it's readily available. You just download the app today, push yes to push notifications, and you're going to be good to go and ready to receive all of our information that we put out. All right, guys. So again, we I want to ha- highlight some stuff here. Uh, and I understand that most of our audience, most of our listeners, our viewers, you guys are a consistent group that is consistently here with this week after week after week. But periodically, we do get new people that come in. We get new viewers, new subscribers, and they may not be as versed as the rest of you. They may not know these verses and these passages. So I'm going to ask you to be patient and bear with those who may be babes in Christ, or they may not be as learned in these scriptures. So let's, I want to show you some, uh, some stuff here. Zechariah, I want you to turn with me. If you have your Bible, you can open it up. Go to your, uh, to pull up your Bible here, or I'm going to pull it up here on the screen as I always do. You guys are listening by Apple or Spotify again. I'm going to go to Zechariah chapter 12. Now this passage, um, reveals to us that the prophet Zechariah is given a revelation from the Lord. And this revelation reveals to Zechariah that in the latter days, in the time of the end, before the coming of the Lord, that Jerusalem, Israel, would become a centerpiece of controversy. It would be, and I'm going to show you exactly what Zechariah says. Zechariah chapter 12, verses 2 through 3. Behold, I, and this is the Lord speaking, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples. And you guys have heard me talk about this before. This can be translated as surrounding nations as well. When they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem, so the prophet says that it's not a matter of if, but when, when the nations lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem, Israel, verse three, and it shall happen in that day. There's a particular day. And again, this is in what we would call 
uh, Armageddon or in the end times in the book of Revelation, way later in the tribulation, there will come a specific time when uh, Jerusalem will become a heavy stone for all people that would attempt to heave it away and they would surely be cut in pieces, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. So I want to emphasize something here. Although we're not in Armageddon, we're not in the Valley of Jehoshaphat, we're not, we're all, we're not where all the nations of the world are gathered against Israel to go to war with Israel. However, again, I've always said this, in order for you to get to the prophetic event, You've got to go through, I call it prophetic stepping stones. You go from point A to point B to point B to point C, and you and you lead up to that particular event. So it's no surprise, and we should be expecting, are you hearing me? We should be expectant of events that we're seeing transpire right now, whereas, watch this, Israel, howbeit Jerusalem, would become a thorn in the flesh to the nations of the world, including the United States of America. And when we get to Ezekiel 38, 39, the war of Gog Magog, it appears, at least to me and other Bible uh, prophetic teachers, that America in itself is not necessarily mentioned in that war. And if we are, we're not directly involved in that war, where in which this uh, c- uh, confederacy of Arab nations uh, form a confederacy and they attack Israel in their latter days, in their days of peace and safety. Now, again, it poses the question, why, if America has always been one of Israel's greatest allies, why is Israel not defending her? And again, this opens a whole can of worms and a whole discussion on hypothesis. Could it be because America has been removed as a sovereign nation? They are no longer a leading empire. Is it because America has been destroyed? Is it because the rapture has taken place and because so many individuals have been caught up, it has left chaos in the earth and, and it's and it's stripped America of much of its military power and so on and so forth. Has an EMP or some type of an attack happened that has rendered America uh, weak and unable to defend itself, let alone come and defend and come to the aid of Israel? So we could go in all these rabbit trails and all that, but that's not what I want to emphasize here. What I want to emphasize is two things. One is that eventually all nations of the world will come against Israel and Jerusalem. And number two, America will be one of those nations involved. Now, having said that, uh, let me give you another scripture here. You guys, again, you guys that are well-versed, you know this. Joel chapter 3. Here's another prophet, Joel. Joel, uh, he repeats exactly what Zechariah said, but he gives even more detail here. He says in Joel chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, But for behold, in those days and, and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations 
and bring them down. And now look, here's the specifics of this war that we were just discussing. He's going to bring them down to the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Again, this is Armageddon, guys. And I will enter into judgment with them there. So again, the nations of the world will be drawn in by the Lord. And I believe by the Lord and Satan. It's a, it's a twofold thing. Um, God puts it in the heart. Satan puts it in her heart. But again, come on, somebody say this with me. Say prophecy has to be fulfilled. So we can point fingers all day long. Is it, is it the, uh, this current administration? Is it the UN? Is it the WEF? Is it the Illuminati? Is it the, the Bilderbergs? Is it Satan? Is it God? Listen, it could be all of these players. It don't really matter who is pulling the strings to get this in there. But the point is that you got to know that if the word of God has told us it's going to happen, you could take it to the bank. It's going to happen. Come on. Amen, somebody. So he says here, Joel says, I will gather all nations of the Lord speaking. I will gather all nations. And he tells you specifics. They'll be in the Valley of Jehoshaphat and they will be brought there for judgment. Now, why are they being judged? He answers this. They are being judged on account of the people of God, the heritage Israel. What have they done to Israel to deserve such judgment? They have scattered the people of Israel among the nations and they have. And now this one's very important here. They have divided the land. Have you not? Listen, for years and years and years through through one president after another administration, after another president, after another administration, there has been sit down talks, negotiations, plans and endeavors to try to create a Palestinian state. And in doing so, it would result in the dividing of Israel and Jerusalem. Keep all this in mind. Now, I've said that as a foundation. Now, I'm going to pull up some articles here. I want you to listen to the tone, listen to the rhetoric, and listen to the the plots of this current administration regarding Israel. Now, before we even, since we're talking about Israel, before we get to the Biden administration, look at this. This is according to a, a recent report. Top former Israeli national security officials are demanding that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu be removed from office immediately. According to this report, more than 40 senior former Israeli national security officials, celebrated scientists and prominent business leaders have sent a letter to Israel's president and speaker of parliament demanding that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu be removed from office proposing what they say is an, quote, existential threat to the country. Again, the the their leader who uh, has led Israel into war again because of the the in response to what Hamas carried out back in October. Now his own people are turning against him. The signatories of the letter include four former directors of Israel's foreign and domestic security services, two former heads of the Israeli Defense Forces, and three Nobel Prize winners. 
The letter blasts the coalition Netanyahu assembled to form the most right-wing government ever in Israel, along with his highly controversial efforts to overhaul Israel's judiciary that they say led to security lapses that resulted in the October 7th attacks, the deadliest day in Israel's history. Now, why am I bringing this up? Again, I, I think this is yet another example of, again, this controversy surrounding Israel. And isn't it interesting that here you have all these individuals rising up against the leadership of Israel, just like we uh, we had a we had a um, we had a uprising against our former president here in America. Now, both of these Benjamin Netanyahu and President Trump, whether you like him or you don't listen President Trump kept us out of war, kept us, for the most part, at peace with nations like Iran, North Korea, Russia, Saudi Arabia, and so on and so forth. Was there, was there uh, rhetoric? Was there chatter? Of course there was, but nowhere on the scale like we're seeing right now with, with President Joe Biden. But it isn't an interesting, all these people rose up against him, demanding he be removed from office. Now let's move on. Here's a report from World Israel News. Joe Biden is no longer on speaking terms with Benjamin Netanyahu. So among these individuals uh, that appear to up to be arising up against Benjamin Netanyahu and condemning him and turning a cold shoulder against him, it looks to be our own president of the United States of America, Joe Biden. Now, according to me, let's go down here. And let's see what this says here. President Joe Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu have not spoken in over a month. According to a new report, after a tense phone call ended with Biden hanging up abruptly on the Israeli premier. Four U.S. officials with direct knowledge of the issue uh, reported that tensions are mounting between the Biden administration and the prime minister's office or his, quote, administration, leading to a, and I'm going to quote here, a breakdown between the president and prime minister, or we could say a breakdown between the U.S. and Israel. While the two spoke at regular intervals following the October 7th invasion of southwestern Israel, the Biden administration's growing demands of Israel, not suggestions, demands, Growing demands from the Biden administration of Israel, which included to scale down its operation in Gaza. Can you, guys, I want to talk to you for a second. Can you believe the nerve of this guy? Could you imagine if this took place on our soil? Imagine 9-11. 9-11 took place under President George Bush. Thousands, over 3,000 plus Americans died from the, the Pentagon to the towers, Pennsylvania, et cetera, et cetera. It was, an, uh, and again, I don't want to get into all the quote unquote conspiracies of that, but could you imagine that happening and the, uh, and, and another nation's leader stand up and demand America tone down their response in regards to what 
took place on American soil. It's absolutely inappropriate and it's outrageous. But again, why am I pointing this? Because I just want you to see here how uh, our pre- our current setting president is handling Israel and how he's responding to Benjamin, Net- Benjamin Netanyahu. So let me read this again. Growing demands from the Biden administration that includes scaling down its operation in Gaza and agree to hand over the coastal enclave to reform Palestinian authority after the war ends. Uh, Translation, they're demanding a two-state solution or quote-unquote the dividing of Israel or Israel being forced to give up land. President Biden hasn't openly spoken to the tensions, but this week, Secretary of State Antony Blinken criticizing Israel for taking Gazan territory to create a security buffer. We've been very clear about um, maintaining, in effect, the, the territorial integrity. Wow. Coupled with Netanyahu's refusal to agree to these American proposals... There is now a chill relation between Washington and Jerusalem. Now, I want to show you this. Since the October 7th invasion, Finance Minister Bazalel Smoltrich has withheld the tax funds under Israel's pay-to-slay law, which requires the government to deduct funds used by the Palestinian Authority to pay for, uh, for stipends to jail terrorists and their families from the tax transfers. There is immense frustration, one U.S. official cited by the report, said of tensions between Biden and Netanyahu. While Secretary of State Anthony Blinken visited Israel during his Mideast trip last week, uh, and again, this is a little bit dated, it's not last week, but it, it, a, f- a few weeks ago, U.S. officials said the meetings with Israel leaders actually exacerbated tensions. Blinken was quoted as chastising Netanyahu and his war cabinet during a closed-door meeting last week calling their plans for a post-war Gaza a pie in the sky. Netanyahu is, quote, more willing to listen to his conservative ministers, including, uh, and I'm not going to name all these people, than what the President of the United States says. And And the report goes on to say their last call ended abruptly when the President said, quote, this conversation is over. This is what Biden said and hung up on Benjamin Netanyahu. Let me give you another uh, report here. Look at this. Biden administration is discussing slowing some weaponry deliveries to Israel to pressure Netanyahu. And the White House is considering pausing or slowing some arms shipments to Israel, according to three current U.S. officials and one former U.S. official. The move would be meant to pressure the Israeli government into scaling back their military assaults on Gaza. At the direction of the Biden administration, the Pentagon has been reviewing what weaponry Israel has requested that could be used as leverage. So far, though, no official or final decisions have been made. The sources say that Israeli officials continue to ask the administration for more weapons, including large aerial bombs, ammunition, and air According to another report, the Biden administration is discussing using weaponry sales to Israel as leverage to convince the government of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to heed long-standing U.S. calls to scale back its military assault in the Gaza Strip. 
This is according to three current U.S. officials and one former U.S. official. Isn't this unbelievable? So Biden is pressuring and he's using weapon leverage now to pressure Israel into backing down from defending themselves. At the direction of the White House, the Pentagon has been reviewing what weaponry Israel has requested that could be used as leverage. This is according to sources from NBC News. They said no decisions have been made. The sources said Israeli officials continue to ask the administration for more weapons, including large aerial bombs, ammunition, and air defenses. After weeks of private administration requests produced fewer results than the White House wanted, the sources said the U.S. is considering slowing or pausing the deliveries in the hope that doing so will prod the Israelis to take action, such as opening humanitarian corridors to provide more aid to Palestinians. All right, so you, again, let's recap this real quick. We see that the White House, the Biden administration, this this current administration, is putting the squeeze on Israel. They're slowly turning their back against Israel. Let me give you another headline. And guys, this is this is fresh today. This is a brand new report. Biden sanctions four Israeli settlers who attacked Palestinians in the West Bank. Today, President Joe Biden issued an executive order that targets Israeli settlers in the West Bank who have been attacking Palestinians in the occupied territory, imposing financial sanctions and visa bans and an initial round against four individuals. This is so bizarre, isn't it? All this stuff that we've got going on with the border, with the invasion, all this stuff going on. And he signs an executive order to target Israeli settlers attacking Palestinians. What? Isn't this bizarre? Those settlers were involved in, quote, acts of violence as well as threats and attempts to destroy or seize Palestinian property, according to the order. Okay, cannot Benjamin Netanyahu and his administration handle their own business? Why are we butting in? Why is Joe Biden getting his nose involved in this? Why are we involved in this with an executive order? This is absolutely crazy to me. The penalties aim. Guys, I'm going to tell you something here. I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to show you this. And I, I know and I can see where this is heading. And this is not good for America. I'm going to read this. Those settlers, uh, let me, the penalties aim to block the four from using the U.S. financial system and bar American citizens from dealing with them. Let me say that again. It will block these individuals from using a U.S. financial system and bar American citizens from dealing with them. Now, this is four individuals now. What's going to what's going to happen when America completely turns its back on Israel and it, it goes from four to an entire nation? You don't think this this current administration could completely turn their back on Israel and and completely ban them from any kind of financial uh, trading or dealing with uh, Israel in regards to any kind of uh relations whatsoever again this and this this is only the tip of the iceberg now i'm going to show you something that should send a after i've read to you zechariah 12 joel chapter 3 this should send a chill down your spine 
According to a new report, the United States State Department is reviewing options for a possible recognition of a Palestinian state. Here we go. Again, you need to sound, every alarm should be sounding right now. This is huge news right here. Secretary of State Tony Blinken asked the State Department to conduct a review and present policy options on possible U.S. and international recognition of a Palestinian state once this war in Gaza is over. Let me re, let me pull this up here, guys. You got to see this. I want come on, hit that like button, hit that share button, notify people's. Uh, uh, tag them, get them in here, show them what's going on. Tell them this is huge prophetic news and this could spell disaster for America. Look at this. While U.S. officials say there have been no policy change, the fact the State Department is even considering such options, look at this, signals a shift in thinking within the Biden administration on possible Palestinian statehood recognition which is highly sensitive both internationally and domestically. And guys, we've already told you what that means. You cannot have a Palestinian state unless Israel is divided. According to this report, the Biden administration is linking possible normalization between Israel and Saudi Arabia to the creation of a pathway for the establishment of a Palestinian state as part of its post-war strategy. So they're trying to pull Saudi Arabia into the mix of this, to try to put pressure on Israel to be divided. This initiative is based on administrative efforts prior to October 7th to negotiate a mega deal with Saudi Arabia that included a, now look at this, a peace agreement between the kingdom and Israel. Come on, all you folks that know your Bible, when they shall say what? Peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them. Look, you've said this, I don't know how many times to me in the last uh, 105 days, that uh, there are various parties uh, who will not be party to a deal that results in the establishment of a Palestinian state. And Benjamin Netanyahu is one of them. With him at the table, it's not going to happen. So, uh, Aaron, typically, Anthony Blinken or people, American officials who have visited Israel since October 7th, they've gone to Israel, and then they've gone to other places, Qatar or Saudi Arabia. In this case, Blinken went to a number of Arab states first to try and coalesce around some kind of an agreement about what can happen to Gaza. And it was shot down the second he got uh, to Israel. Netanyahu said, no deal. Blinken goes back. So have you seen uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's latest... I did. Comments uh, I did. about, the, you know, that he's rejected your guys' assertion that the only way that Israel is going to achieve long-term security and peace is with the creation of the Palestinian state. Um, this is obviously not new. This is something that he has said for some time and told you uh, all directly last week, uh, even. Um, but I'm just wondering if if you have any new, particularly new reaction so, um, to him being apparently in this situation, the roadblock, your ally, your partner, uh, all the Arab states are on board, at least according to what you guys say, with uh, post-conflict Gaza future planning, but Israel is not. So, Let me echo um, 
something the Secretary said when he was in the region last week, and that is that Israel faces some very difficult choices in the months ahead. Months ahead, The conflict in Gaza is going to end. It will end. And at the end of that conflict, someone is going to have to rebuild Gaza. Someone is going to have to govern Gaza. Someone is going to have to provide security in Gaza. And one of the things the secretary was able to achieve in his travels through the region last week are commitments from other countries in the region that they would participate in the reconstruction of Gaza, that they would participate in helping establish Palestinian-led governance of Gaza, but they would only do that if there was a tangible path to establishment of a Palestinian state. But the question is actually bigger than that because the question is not just about the short-term future of Gaza, but it is about how you solve this long-term challenge that Israel has, which is how Israel ensures real security for itself and how it ensures that October 7th is never repeated again. And the opportunity that Israel has right now before it is that for the first time in its history, you see the countries in the region who are ready to step up and further integrate with Israel and provide real security assurances to Israel. And the United States is ready to play its part too, but they all have to have a willing partner on the other side. Saudi officials have publicly and privately made clear since October 7th that any potential normalization agreement with Israel would be conditioned on the creation of an irrevocable pathway towards a Palestinian state. Some inside the Biden administration are now thinking recognition of a Palestinian state should possibly be the first step in negotiations to resolve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict instead of the last. This is according to a senior U.S. official. According to this report, there are several options for the U.S. to take action, which include bilaterally recognizing the state of Palestine. Number two, not using its veto to block the UN Security Council from admitting Palestine as a full UN member state. Or number three, encouraging other countries to recognize Palestine. Hello, Zechariah 12. All of that. Pressure. Division. All nations coming together against Israel. Again, these are huge prophetic stepping stones, guys. Are you are you hearing me today? Now, you've got all that going on, and we, America, is about to embark into a full-scale war in the Middle East. I mean, this thing is spiraling out of control. Let's get into a little bit of that, and then we're going to close this thing at the end of this segment with an update on the four red heifers. So, Again, we've got a jam-packed prophetic uh, viewpoint today. So I hope you're enjoying this. So let me, I'm going to show you some, uh, some uh, the latest on the Mideast issue here. According to a new report, this is from CBN News, there is now plans laid out for U.S. strikes on Iranian personnel and facilities in Iraq and Syria approved after Jordan drone attack. According to this report, again, um, there is there is now plans that have been approved for a series of strikes. So you get ready because it's getting ready to take place over a number of days. I said days. So America's getting ready to carry out strikes against targets, including Ir- Iranian personnel and facilities inside both Iraq and Syria. 
The strikes are coming in response to drone and rocket attacks targeting U.S. forces in the region, including one drone attack this past weekend that killed three U.S. service members at the Tower 22 base inside Jordan near the Syrian border. Wow. Okay, now let's go to this next report. While you've got that going on, Israel and Lebanon are preparing for a war neither wants, but many fear it's becoming inevitable. The prospect of a full-scale war between Israel and Lebanon's Hezbollah militia terrifies people on both sides of the border, but some see it as an inevitable fallout from Israel's ongoing war with Hamas in Gaza. Joining us live this morning to explain more is senior lecturer in criminal justice and homeland security, Mr. Ken Gray. As always, good morning to you. Thank you for being here, Mr. Ken. Good morning, Janae. Glad to be with you again. So I'm not going to call you a psychic, Mr. Ken, but you called it. You did say that we needed to keep a close eye on Lebanon because a conflict could arise. How did we get to this point? So this is actually something that has been in the works ever since October 7th, if not even before then. Uh, the reason I say that is after the attack on October 7th, the Israeli war cabinet uh, was recommending going ahead and doing a preemptive strike against Lebanon because they knew that Hezbollah was going to be a problem. Additionally, uh, Israel has uh, brought in all these reservists. And so they have all the assets in place that are ready to go in the event they want to open up another front to the north. Because of exchanges between Hezbollah and Israel along the border there, 70 plus thousand Lebanese have moved away from the border and 100,000 Israelis have moved away from the border. And the exchanges that have been going on across the border has resulted in the deaths of over 100 Lebanese Hezbollah members and several Israelis. Uh, consequently, this is a, um, a, a fight that has been trying to break out throughout the period since October 7th. And according to a, a senior Israeli official, they are closer now to war with Lebanon than they have been since October 7th. Wow. And just how close are they? Are you expecting this is something that could break out in days, weeks or months? So uh, within the last couple of days, there has been an increase in the exchanges across the border. Uh, Israel conducted uh, attacks on five different targets, uh, Hezbollah targets, uh, along the border there in Lebanon. Uh, the uh, Leban uh, the uh, Hezbollah has been uh, uh, continuing to fire missiles and artillery shells into uh, Israel. And so I, I would say that the if a war is going to break out, it will probably break out here within the next month or so, just simply because of the fact that you have uh, the Israeli IDF uh, with the extra reservists all called up. Uh, they are starting to scale back some of their activities in the northern part of Gaza. Those assets could be moved up to the border uh, and uh, carry out actions over into Lebanon to remove the threat of Hezbollah, just like the activities in the Gaza Strip is trying to remove the activities of Hamas. Uh, at the same time, uh, Netanyahu is in trouble. Uh, he has to be able to pull in the support from the ultra-right uh, part of uh, the Israeli government, and they are very much in favor of taking action against 
the Hezbollah taking action against Hamas. And so in many ways, to stay in political power, Netanyahu might have to expand the war so as to guarantee the support of the far right. I was just about to ask you this. We have so much going on. We have the Israel-Hamas war, the stuff unfolding in Gaza, the stuff with UNRWA, those accusations of those UN staffers actually helping Hamas. Now this uh, saying that the stuff with Lebanon escalating, then we can't forget the Red Sea with the Houthi rebels. Could this mean a regional conflict at this point? So we have been on the verge of a regional conflict ever since October 7th. Uh, that, that many efforts have been taken to try to contain it within the Gaza Strip, and yet the, the Houthis uh, continue their harassment of shipping inside the Red Sea. Uh, just uh, yesterday, the Houthis launched drones and missiles uh, against both the commercial ship and against uh, the, the Kearney. Uh, the USS Kearney uh, responded by shooting down the missile and taking out the drones. Uh, they did carry out a, an activity. Uh, uh, the Houthis also attacked a uh, an oil tanker uh, inside the Red Sea. So uh, that is one area of conflict that continues to bubble up. Additionally, uh, the newest thing between the United States and Iran, the President Biden has guaranteed some type of response uh, for the death of the three uh, U.S. servicemen. Uh, and so we have yet to see what that target is going to be. But uh, Iran has assured the United States that if any action is taken within Iran proper, that they will respond accordingly. And so the possibility of this boiling over into a regional conflict remains very strong. And we may be sleepwalking into a regional war. Goodness. Well, I know many people are on the edge of their seats as you say that, but we definitely appreciate you joining us here on Live Now from Fox, Mr. Ken, to keep us informed as so many events are unfolding out in their area. Before I let you go, is there anything else you'd like to add? I would just say that uh, the the, the uh, negotiations for hostages are ongoing. Uh, the uh, head of uh, uh, Qatar has said that they are very close to an agreement. Um, uh, Netanyahu says that uh, that there still remains a big gap. He says that they have to do three things uh, in, uh, to keep their eye on three things, and that is he has to free the hostages, get rid of Hamas, and guarantee that uh, Gaza and the Palestinians will no longer be a threat to Israel. And so that may be a complication uh, for this ongoing negotiation to get the hostages out. But the families of the hostages in uh, Israel are really starting to make their uh, their concerns known. And so you again, this uh, this whole multi-front war in the Middle East is starting to really unravel. It's starting to pick up, and America is being sucked right in the middle of it. Iran just gave a another warning, a fresh warning and said that they are threatening to, quote, decisively respond to any U.S. strikes following the Jordan base attack. So again, what does that look like? What should we expect to take place? Both Russia and China are warning against a cycle of retaliation. Who are they warning? President Joe Biden. According to the DailyMail.com, Russia and China have rushed to the defense of their ally, Iran, and have urged the U.S. to show restraint in its response to the killing of three American soldiers. 
The U.S. has vowed to respond to a drone attack on base on a base in Jordan that claimed the lives of three American soldiers facing fears of an escalating Middle East conflict. Well, isn't that interesting? So here is two nations urging restraint to America because they just lost lives in an attack when our president is urging Israel and its leadership to show restraint and not respond after their people got attacked. So again, it, the, the irony of this, the double standard that we're seeing, it's no surprise. And guys, all this comes on the heels of a, this was a report that was released yesterday. We reported this on our main website at endtimeheadlines.org, endtimeheadlines.com. Chinese hackers are preparing to, and I quote, wreak havoc on American citizens and communities. This was a fresh warning from the FBI director. Now, when I described the CCP as a threat to American safety a moment ago, I meant that quite literally. There has been far too little public focus on the fact that PRC hackers are targeting our critical infrastructure, our water treatment plants, our electrical grid, our oil and natural gas pipelines, our transportation systems, and the risk that poses to every American requires our attention now. China's hackers are positioning on American infrastructure in preparation to wreak havoc and cause real-world harm to American citizens and communities if and when China decides the time has come to strike. All right, guys, so that wraps up this portion of it as far as, again, what I said at the beginning of this, the Biden administration is we are on the precipice of a what I call the danger zone. They are pushing Israel. They are provoking Israel. They're sticking their thumb in the apple of God's eye. And there's a grave warning to this, to all nations who attempt to divide Israel. Now, I think it's very, you know, one of the most chilling parts about this is the timing of this. Here we are, we're in February. This is the 1st of February. We are two months away until we see that solar eclipse. And everybody knows by now that that solar eclipse trajectory is going to form an X over the United States of America in the nation's midsection. Right in the midsection of America. The, the breadbasket of America, right dead center of America, right on the New Madrid fault line, right there in a, in a zone which seismologists and scientists have warned if we were to get an earthquake on the same magnitude that we did in 1811 and 1812 or larger, that it could potentially literally divide geographically the nation of America. That's two months away, guys. And here we have this administration pushing to divide Israel. That, my friend, is a concoction for a disaster. Now, speaking of Israel, here's one that I know many of you guys have wanted to talk about. Well, I'm going to talk about the red heifers. Now, what is this about? According to the Mishnah, the ceremony of the burning of the red heifer took place on the Mount of Olives. I'm going to give you a little bit of history, and I'm going to bring you up to par here. A richly pure priest 
slaughtered the red heifer and sprinkled its blood in the direction of the temple seven times. The red heifer was then burned together with crimson dyed, crimson dyed wool, hyssop, and cedar wood. In recent years, the site of the burning of the red heifer on the Mount of Olives has been tentatively located by archaeologists. And there we all know from the Temple Institute to all the reports that there is great anticipation that they now have what was once five red heifers. Now it's been narrowed down to four. One of them is now blemished. There's at least four red heifers that are all ready to go. Now, why? Why do, why do they need a red heifer for this? A red heifer, according to Jewish tradition, confirms with all the requirements imposed by the Sanhedrin is, is practically a biological anomaly. Let me say that again. A red heifer that meets all the requirements by the Sanhedrin is a biological anomaly or it's quote unquote rare. For example, the animal must be entirely of one color uh, and they do a series of tests listed by the sages must be performed to ensure this and the hair of the cow must be absolutely straight. The extreme rarity of such an animal combined with the detailed ritual in which it is used have given the red heifer special status in Jewish tradition. It is cited as the paradigm of a biblical law for which there is no apparent logic because the state of ritual purity obtained through the ashes of a red heifer is a necessity and a prerequisite, excuse me, for participating in future temple services. Hello, the third temple efforts have been made in modern times by Jews wishing for biblical ritual purity and in anticipation. Listen to me, listen to me clear for the building of the third temple to locate a red heifer and to recreate this ritual. However, all the multiple candidates have all been disqualified, but Oh, come on. According to rabbinical tradition, there have been nine red heifers that have been sacrificed since the time of Moses. Since the destruction of the second temple, no red heifers have been slaughtered. There has not been a flawless or spotless red heifer for nearly 2,000 years. The rabbi Memonides in 1135 to 1204 taught that the 10th red heifer would be sacrificed by the Messiah himself. Wow. Those who anticipate the construction of a third temple are eager to find a red heifer that meets all the requirements because the red heifer ashes will be necessary to purify the temple or this third temple. Many consider that the appearance of a red heifer will herald the construction of the temple and the return of Christ. The Temple Institute has been trying to institute this since 1996. There are reports indicating that the priest and those involved with the sacrifice of the red heifer would. Now, listen to this, guys. Uh, you got to hear this. I took all these notes uh, early this morning when I was putting this together. According to reports, this is the latest reports on this. The priest, the Sanhedrin, all of those involved with the sacrifice of the red heifer 
say that they were completely ready to carry out the sacrifice this past fall during the atonement in 2023. But listen to me, but they have purposely delayed the event until here it is Passover of 2024, which is in two months in the same month as the solar eclipse. And again, there were five heifers. One was blemished, but they now have at least four unblemished red heifers already on deck and ready to go for this major sacrifice for the building of the third temple. Listen to me. Jesus prophesied a desecration of the temple during the tribulation. Matthew 24, 15. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. In order for that to occur, there has to be a temple in Jerusalem to desecrate, friend. Assuming that those who dedicate the end times temple to follow Jewish law, they will need these ashes of a red heifer mixed with the water for the ceremonial cleansing. If the blemished red heifer is available and ready this Passover... This will be one major piece and stepping stone leading to the fulfillment of Bible prophecy because the third temple will then be ready to be constructed. Now, I'm going to show you the scripture for that because you'd be surprised. People always say, well, I thought we're the temple of the Lord and our bodies are the temple. No, there is a actual third temple coming and it's found in Revelation chapter 11. Here it is. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod. This is John the Revelator who saw this third temple in the future constructed in Jerusalem and Israel. He said, I was given a reed like a measuring rod and the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God, the altar and those who worship there. So there's a temple, there's an altar and there's people worshiping there. This is not your body, but leave out the court, which is outside the temple. That would be the outer court excuse me, that would be the outer court and do not measure it for it has been given to the Gentiles and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. Translation, this is going to happen in the tribulation. There will be two witnesses that will come. One of them is thought to, who is Elijah the prophet, who will be directly involved in creating or constructing this third temple. Now, friends, how exciting is this? Just take a breath real quick and let this resonate. Let this soak in. If this is true, if the heifers are ready, if they're going to carry out this ritual at Passover in two months, then, friends, how close are we to the construction of the third temple? Now, I'm going to show you a new report. This is a brand new report that came out. Listen, not only are evangelical, uh, well, I don't want to say all evangelical, but most evangelical, charismatic, Pentecostal Christians who understand eschatology 
They understand the significance of the third temple. They understand Revelation 11. They understand the significance of this in prophecy. And by the way, 2 Thessalonians 2 tells us that this is exactly the, the temple that the Antichrist will invade and he will set up his headquarters and set up his seat of authority and, and, and bark out his commandments and bark out his commands there. And he will also wreak havoc on the nations of the world and and then again, eventually the kings of the east will be fed up with him and they will march over the Euphrates River that will be dried up to invade him in Jerusalem. This is the temple, guys, that will be constructed in the book of Revelation, in the tribulation, in the future. Now, Christians know this. The Jews know this. But I'm going to show a new report indicates that the Muslims understand this. Now, there was a report that came out. This was this was well. This was very well written by Paul Marshall. And it was and it. And this is from the Hudson The title of this is unblemished red heifers key to understanding conflict in the Middle East. In this report, he goes over what we just went over and he talks about the the significance of the red heifer, the history of the red heifer, while why it will be involved, prophetically speaking, in the future. But when you get later on down in this article, he brings up, uh, he recites a new report. I'm going to show you this report. Now, this was from Israel 365 News. A spokesman from Hamas, you know, the guys who invaded Israel on October 7th and carried out those heinous, murderous acts. According to a Hamas spokesman, the October 7th attack launched was to stop the red heifers. Whoa. On the on the 100 day anniversary of the war against Israel, a Hamas spokesman gave a rare speech in which he cited the arrival of the red heifers in Israel. Guys, a Hamas spokesman acknowledged and recognized the significance of the red heifers in Israel. And even in the speech, cited that it that one of the motives for the massacre on October 7th was to stop this ritual from taking place with these heifers. This Abu Abadiah, however you pronounce his name, who is a military spokesman uh, for the Izad Din al-Qassam Brigades, which is the military wing of the Palestinian Hamas terrorist organization, made a televised appearance on the 100th day of, of the Israeli war on Gaza. The televised speech was the first time he appeared in seven weeks as during the time all of his public statements were either audio recordings or written statements. A lapse of several weeks even led to a speculation that he had been killed, but he didn't, or he wasn't, rather. I want to give you the direct quote from this individual. Quote, we look back 100 days to remember the education, the comp, the complicit and the inca inca incapacitated among the world powers governed by the law of the jungle, reminding them of an aggression that reached its peak against our path and, and Al-Aqsqa with the start of its actual temporal and spatial division and the bringing of red cows as an application of a detestable religious myth 
designed for aggression against the feelings of an entire nation and the heart of its Arab identity and the path of its prophet, the night journey and ascension to heaven. He's referring to Muhammad here. In his speech, he referred to the October 7th attack as the Al-Aska flood. Palestinians call the Grey Doom Mosque on the Temple Mount as Al-Aska, literally meaning the further mosque. So in this speech, he goes on and he talks about how basically that they they set out to stop the temple desecration and the Jews from carrying out again the or, or I shouldn't say Jews but the the Sanhedrin the the temple it's, or the uh, excuse me the Sanhedrin and the priest from carrying out this sacrifice and this ritual of these red heifers so that they could get the third temple started and initiated. So folks, this is huge news, huge news. Let me, I want to give you a real quick recap. We, here we have, we're going to close with this segment today. We're going to, we're going to close this segment with this right here. Here we are two months away. We have a, one of the most significant solar eclipses in over a hundred years. And it's a cyclical celestial event that's going to take place over America. And it's going to form an X over America in a very unique place in a unique location. We have Passover coming up. We, we see this current administration is now pushing Benjamin Netanyahu in a corner he is pressuring them. They are pressuring Israel. And now they're taking it a step further. And they are going to pursue the creation of a Palestinian state, which will ultimately divide Israel and Jerusalem. And, and in, in the midst of all of this, you have now you have the heifers ready to go for the temple purification ceremony to initiate the steps towards the creation of a biblical, prophetic, prophesied third temple in Jerusalem. The Christians know this. The Jews know this. And now I've showed you the Muslims are well aware of this as well. So friends, again, I always leave you with Luke 21, 28. Jesus said, when you begin to see all these things come in the past, you better look up, lift up your heads for your redemption is drawing near. Guys, please hit that subscribe button, hit that bell notification, share this podcast, let people know that prophecy is coming to pass. It's accelerating. We're in the times of the end. We're about to see that eastern sky split and see the return of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Guys, listen, endtimeheadlines.org, endtimeheadlines.com. Again, if you've not downloaded our free app please do that today and hit yes to push notifications and you're going to be notified of every headline every podcast every prophet prophetic viewpoint like this the, these messages are all going to be there you're not going to miss anything we encourage you to do that today and of course guys if this ministry is a, a source of blessing information revelation equipping all of the above we want you to pray about come on let 2024 be the year. Maybe you've followed us for a long time and you've not committed to becoming a partner, but you've been blessed by our ministry. Now's the time, guys. Step up. Do what the Lord would have you to do. Pray about it. 
And uh, you can do that two different ways. You can give electronically through the app or through the main website, or you can give right there on your screen by check or money order. And you could do that by making it out to Income Headlines, P.O. Box 1391, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Now, you may be new and say, well, why do we need to support your ministry? Guys, we, we don't charge for any of this. All of our messages are free. Our updates are free. Our app is free. Our website has no subscription fee. Every, every podcast is free. Everything is free. We don't sell merchandise. People think we sell these. We don't. There's no books. There's no T-shirts. There's no merchandise. Nothing. We do everything. Every single thing we do is free of charge. Freely we receive. receive freely we give. All we ask that if you've been blessed, equipped, informed, encouraged, if this is your home church, whatever the case would be, we pray that you would pray and the Lord would speak to you about what you should do. And I believe that, guys, that you will do that. And listen, we love you guys, all of our partners that are listening. You know who you are. We appreciate you. The letters, the emails, the messages, the financial support. Again, it's through your generous support that we're able to continue to do what we do on a week-to-week-to-week basis. So, again, uh, again, I cannot express with words our, our our gratitude towards you guys and your generous support. Listen, we're going to sign off for tonight. We'll be back here tomorrow, Lord willing, February 2nd, Friday night, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, I'm going to bring another word. Um, it's a devotional word. Uh, this was a huge update. We're going to tie it in. Just like I said, we're going to give you two words of encouragement and quipping. And we're going to give you two kind of updates and uh, viewpoint segments. So get ready for tomorrow. I think you're going to be blessed. We're, I'm going to show you some stuff out of the book of Colossians and the New Testament. We're going to do a little bit of studying in that, a little bit of equipping to the body of Christ. So I hope you'll stick around for that tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Central. 8 p.m. Eastern. Listen, we love you guys. God bless you. I pray that this message has been a great informative update to you. And until we see you tomorrow night, may the Lord bless you, may keep you, and may his countenance shine upon you. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the End Time Headlines podcast. We pray that you've been blessed and equipped by today's message. For more information about how you can help partner with our ministry, please visit endtimeheadlines.org.